0: Kira, good morning. Well, I get the privilege after such a wonderful time of worship, thank you guys, that was just fantastic, um, to really follow on and uh, talk about something. Talk a topic that I am very, very passionate about. So I'm going to share, it is a shorter message, but I'm going to share about in intimacy with God or being intimate with God and... It does follow on from a lot of uh, what Jesse primarily has been teaching about being people of influence. And uh, if we are going to be people of influence, we have to draw the ability and the uh, power to do that. And, of course, that comes from the Lord. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures I love is Daniel 11.32. And uh, the last half of it says this. The people who know their God will display strength and take action. Don't you love that? The people who know their God will display strength and take action. And many of you will have heard me say several times that the true purpose in life, the real purpose in life, is to know God. And for all the philosophers and the books and everything that's said about what's life all about, uh, Jeremiah sums it up in one sentence. You'll find it in chapter Jeremiah chapter nine if you want to read it. And he says that uh, let us boast in this, that uh, let us boast alone in this, that we know God. And many people would say that it's impossible to know God. I mean, if he is who he is. Uh, How can we ever get to know him? But the scriptures actually disagree with that. The promise of the scripture is that through the coming of Jesus Christ, through his incarnation, through him coming as a baby, growing up, And um, becoming who he was as the Messiah through the coming of him. And then through his death and resurrection and through the provision of the Holy Spirit, we are taken into a life-giving, knowing relationship with the holy, utmost God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are given that incredible privilege. I have spoken before of the fact that the Jewish people struggle with us claiming that the Holy Spirit, the Shekinah glory of God, would come and live in a human being. Well, I think we can all understand how it's difficult to believe, but it happened. And we are the privilege bearers of that. And so... Um, we, we, we know that there are some challenges. In fact, I love the scripture. I've talked about it before. Uh, in uh, Romans 11, verse 33, which says, The depths of God are unfathomable. I use the term that an eternity is not long enough to know God which means we're never going to get bored, guys. We're always going to be learning and discovering new things about him. So we understand that. We know that's true. Um, Job, after his long complaint about all he was going through, and, uh, uh, you know, I can certainly understand that, as he encountered God, he said, these are things too wonderful for me, things that I did not know. So we understand. In fact, I love these statements because they assure us that we're gonna to continue to be learning new things about God. But brothers and sisters, we are meant to be on the journey now. We're meant to be on the journey of knowing God now. We have been given the Holy Spirit so we can know God now, both as your personal in a personal, intimate way in your own life, corporately, as His church. Uh, And we can carry on looking at all the aspects of who he is and how he ministers to us. But the great privilege we have been given and uh, we need to take so seriously is that we need to spend an enormous amount of our energy and our thinking and our time and our activities in pursuit of God. And he desires to meet us more than halfway and all of that. So I want to pick up four points this morning that have helped me enormously. I, like so many of you in this room, lead a busy life. There's not just one aspect to it. I have all sorts of various things impact my life, and I say that in a good sense. Some of them are not so good, and I wish they weren't there, as we all do. But a lot of them are my calling in God, is the life that he designed to me. makes me often very busy. I feel a bit like a farmer. For those of you, I come from a farming background. For those of you who understand if a farmer wakes up one morning and he or she says, "I'm going to complete all the jobs on this farm," they're going to be in a lot of trouble because it can't be done. So a farmer has, the farmers have to pace themselves. They have to work out what are the things they should be doing today and tomorrow and next week and on that because they can never complete their task. I'm in the same boat and so are you. In fact, as I've said before, if your vision can be contained and achieved in your lifetime, it's too small in Christ. He calls us to things greater and more wonderful than any human being can achieve in a lifetime. That's why he tells us to work generationally. So we can hand those things down to uh, younger generations. So the question is not finding enough time to do everything that is available to us. The question is to make sure in the journey we never disconnect from Jesus. It is so important. So I have four points that I keep before me um, and uh, have really been helpful. So I'm just going to cover them this morning. Number one, we need to simplify our lives. Now Solomon said this, and it makes me laugh because it was over 4,000 years ago that he said this. I wonder what he thinks today. But he says this, it's in Ecclesiastes 7.29. God made us plain and simple, but we have made ourselves very complicated. What a word for the 21st century! God made us plain and simple, but we have made ourselves very complicated. Ain't that the truth? And some of all this being complicated is great fun. It's not all bad, it's not all negative. But even those things can get in the way of us knowing Jesus. You know, the more we have, the more we have to worry about. And I often, as I was raising my kids, looked at their lives with um, some degree of envy. They get fed every day. They don't have to worry about the next meal, where it's coming from. They don't have to worry about paying bills. They just cruise along through life. Now, God would actually have us, to a degree, plug into that. Um, My daughter Marie and her husband took their four children to Central America uh, two years ago and they, there's certain risks and places where they went to and everything, and they, and they tried the oldest at that time. Their daughter was 11, and they went down to about four um, with the children. They tried to school the children up on what it meant to be safe and the precautions they had to take and giving them a few rules and a few boundaries. And Marie found to her shock, we've talked about this so much, Dad, it actually doesn't work. As long as the kids can see their parents... They feel safe and secure regardless of what's happening around them. Quite amazing. Also frightening, also worrying because, you know, we can get separated and if that happens, kids need to know what to do. But they said as long as they could see us, they would say, we've sang it in song, all is well. Now, if we have a personal relationship with Jesus, if we burrow into him, if we make him our life source, as long as we can see him, all is well. And there's a whole, whole issue in that. But we need to simplify our lives. Something that Linda and I are always trying to do is simplify our lives. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying don't have possessions and nice things. We have them but we're always trying to cut down on what we have so it's less to manage, less to worry about and focus on the things that of life that really count. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 11:3. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. There's another word for the 21st century. Your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. So the first point is simplify your life. Here's the second point. Be still and know that I am God. Now, here's my great amusement, and I am easily amused, so bear with me. Psalm 46 is where this comment says, Be still and know that I am God. Now, when you get a chance at home, have a read of the psalm. Because when you think of that psalm, you think, oh, well, we'll be sitting nicely by a stream that's flowing by. It'll be a beautiful sunny day with a nice breeze and a little bit of shade. And in it all, the Holy Spirit uh, whispers to us, Be still and know I'm God. But go and read the psalm. It's incredibly noisy. It says the nations are in an uproar. All these things are going on. It says the mountains are falling into the sea. Man, imagine the noise. It's like earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes. All these things are going on. The world's in an uproar. Everything's in this massive, tumultuous turmoil. And then God speaks, and he'd have to speak pretty loud, I imagine. And he says this, hey, be still. Don't get caught up in all of this. Don't get caught up in the madness and the rush and the panic and the mayhem. Stop. Be still and know that I'm God. See, the word comes to us in the turmoil of life as well as in the quiet times, Psalm 23, Psalm 1 uh, makes it clear that it's also in the lovely quiet times of life. But in the turmoil of life, God is saying to us, you can be still and know me. You can rest because I have everything under control. And so this psalm causes us even in those times to stop and rest and make time for him. It's requiring us to bring our spirit to a place of stillness and quietness and trust in God. And here is my question, how often do we do that today? How often do we suddenly disconnect from all the pressures of life, all the worries, all the cares, and make time to go before God in prayer, to go before God in worship like we did this morning? and focus again on who our God, our King, our Savior really is. And it brings peace, even in the turmoils of life. Whether it's prayer, whether it's worship, whether it's meditation, he will meet us there in all those situations if we give him the opportunity. See, it's not only busyness, it's the glut of information. Now, I am an information freak. I used to live before the internet. I used to live before and you had to go to libraries or buy your own books or all those things, which I did a lot of. Then all my dreams came true. Guys, I love the web. My gosh, we, Linda and I will often sit in the lounge room and we're talking to say, oh, when did that happen? One of us will grab our iPhone or iPad and there's the information. Everything And uh, the headlines are there. Oh, it happened in 1833 here. And if you want more information, just keep reading. And it keeps on flowing. Everything you ever want to know. Now, I know there's an ugly side of it, and I don't bother with that. But there are so many great things about it. But here's something I read on the Internet. So listen to me. A historian in America has claimed... That today's copy of the New York Times, that's this morning's copy, if they print it on a Sunday or tomorrow morning's copy, of the New York Times, has more information in it than the average person received in their whole lifetime in the 17th century. Now, I, I don't know whether it's true or not. I didn't read on to find the information, but isn't that incredible? This historian claims the copy, a daily copy of the New York Times has more information in it than the average person got in their whole lifetime in the 17th century. Now, I promise you guys, the seven, in the 17th century, and I love history and I know a little bit about it, there were plenty of people who were absolutely on fire for God and doing great exploits. They were changing nations. The Puritans settled in New England, coming from England and settled in New England and built the whole nation in the 17th century. They were doing amazing things without all this information that we have to have today. There's a statement in it. Now, I'm not going to stop reading news and biblical writings and listening to the preachers on TV. I'm not going to stop doing that. But, guys, we have to know how to press pause Because even all the information we're getting is just knowledge. Useful, yes. Interesting, yes. But it's still just knowledge. It's not until the Holy Spirit engages with us in our life that it turns from knowledge to wisdom and then begins to reflect the glory of God. That is so important to understand that. Okay. Okay. So if the pace of life is driving you and it's getting to you, it's time to find a place of peace and calm and chill out even in the midst of this turmoil and allow the Holy Spirit to refresh your spirit. He's waiting for you to come so he can do it. He loves to do it. It's one of his favorite pastimes is refreshing our spirit in Christ. He loves to do it. Okay. Third point. These do flow on a bit. The discipline of solitude. Solitude has been called the furnace of transformation. How often do we get alone with God for any length of time? Now, by alone, here's what I mean, and I I mean it's uh, don't start throwing things at me. No music. No people. No talking, no cell phones, no books or distractions, just peace, quiet, and meditation. How often do we do it? In the Old Testament, the people were warned that if they didn't do this at least once a week for a day, the penalty was death. Why such a severe penalty on not keeping the Sabbath? Because God said, you are claiming you have to do everything in your own strength and you can't trust me. And by stopping one day a week when you're so busy and you've got so much to do, you are trusting God to complete the things in your life that you can't achieve in your own strength. So important. That's why the penalty was so severe. Um, Another... A chapter for you to go home and read. I love Exodus 24, but it would have frustrated me. Moses gets called up to the mountain. So him and Joshua and a few of their friends and people go to the foot of the mountain, but they can't set foot on it because they would die. Only Moses is being cleansed by God so he can come into god 's presence in the mountain. So up he goes. God had summoned them because God wanted to talk. him. Now, I'd be pretty excited, probably pretty fearful, all sorts of things going on in my head, but God has promised that it's going to be something good. So Moses goes up into the mountain and God says, just sit here and wait. And he leaves Moses sitting there for seven days. He doesn't speak. He doesn't connect with him, but he says to Moses, just wait. Now, I can only speculate of what happened over that seven days, but here's what I believe. Moses had to divest himself of all the busyness, all the issues, all the stuff that he was running around in his own head before he could come into the presence of God and receive in a life form what God had to give him. And often when I first, I've got some favorite places, my deck out the back of my home is one of them, a lot of favorite places where I go and I know I won't be disturbed and I can just sit there before the Lord and I do it frequently. But for a start, my head's going, well, I've got to do this. And how come? And what are we going to do here? And where should we do this? And And it's going and going and going. And I've got to get all of that out of my system. Often I pray it all before the Lord, but I'm just unwinding myself. And I believe God sits there patiently waiting, waiting, waiting. Are you finished yet, Bruce? No, and there's this and there's that. Okay, okay. Wait, are you finished? No, and by the way, there's... But then finally, when we come to our end of ourselves, the quiet breeze and wind and voice of the Holy Spirit begins to minister and begins to speak. And begins to fill us and refresh us. And here's my concern that I'm sure I've done so many times. I've got in before the Lord and I've unburdened everything and God's waited patiently and then I have said, thank you for listening and I've walked off. And God's was just saying, okay, Bruce, now, Bruce, Bruce, and I'm gone. I'm back into it. I'm back into the flow, all the things that I've got to do. So we need to unburden ourselves, then wait and wait and wait. And then God begins to speak into our spirit and brings life. So we need to stay there until all our rambling thoughts, all our anxieties, they're all valid. These things are all valid. We need to stay there until they disappear. And then we can focus on whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is reasonable, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute. We can begin to focus on those things, and the Holy Spirit can begin to minister to us. Too important to miss, guys. Too valuable to miss, because he'll speak to you about your life and your situation. But he'll speak to you about his life and where he's working and what he's wanting to do, and he'll love on you, and he'll draw you to love back on him. There'll be an exchange of intimacy between you and the Father. It's beautiful. It's not just all about commissioning and work. It's a love relationship. Sometimes you can just sit there and adore one another. God's into that. God wants to do that. He wants you to be drawn into that relationship with Him. It's not all about service and commissioning and doing things. It's about being. Who are you? A lover of Jesus. There used to be a T-shirt people used to wear with the big words on it, Theos, Theophilus. Pretty rusty on that. People in this church used to wear it years ago. And you'd be wearing this and people would come up to you you see, and say, What's that word? What does it mean? And the word means lover of Jesus. Isn't that good? And you could say it means I'm a lover of Jesus. Okay. The um, great passage, Mark 6. There's plenty of these passages in the Bible. But the great passages, I'll just use this one. Mark 6. The apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. Now, Jesus had just commissioned them and sent them out and said, I've empowered you. Go out in two-by-twos. Go to people's homes. Share the gospel with them. Share food with them. Pray for the sick. You'll see them healed. Uh, Cast demons out of people and go and do this. And so they did this, and they saw amazing things happen. So they come running back to Jesus. And can you imagine their conversation? Wow, you should have seen this person and that. And I prayed for them. And man, they were delivered. And there was this little girl and she had cancer and was going to die. And now she's running around playing in the backyard. And we sat with these beautiful people. And they opened up their heart for the gospel. And you can imagine the joy. And Jesus looks at them and listen to what he says. Come away. Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. It says, they went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. Jesus is saying, hey, this is all great. This is all wonderful. But the key to life is a relationship with me. Let's get out of the busyness. Let's get out of all the demands and everything to do and just rest a while, love on one another, and stay in the presence of God. Why? Because that alone restores our soul. That's the only thing that does it. I love getting out there and working and praying for people and doing all the preaching and teaching. But the only thing that restores our soul is when we step aside from all of these things. We come to a quiet and a secluded place and we just rest there with Jesus. It's so important, guys, but it's one of life's treasures. And we are robbing ourselves if we deny ourselves of doing it. It takes practice. It's a skill. It's got to be developed. We've got to learn how to unwind and get all this stuff out of our head. And then the Lord can begin to minister to us. When was the last time you came away and rested and just spent time alone with the Lord and remained in his presence? The fourth point, this is my last point. And Jesse has covered this in some of his teachings. But the fourth point is about the discipline of surrender. Proverbs 3, verse 5, 6, you'll know these scriptures so well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. It's a wonderful promise, guys. And all your ways acknowledge Him. What makes our path straight? Acknowledging Jesus, not leaning to our own understanding. See, this degree of independence that we hold so dear in the Western world means surrender is not part of our vocabulary. Whatever life needs, we'll find a way. In another life, way back, I was a motor mechanic. I don't often admit to it these days, but I'm a fix-it person. Put a problem in front of me, I want to pull it to bits and fix it. Put a person in front of me, I want to pull them to bits and fix them. You can't help it. It's not a bad thing. But see, God's called us not to lean to our own understanding of fixing everything. He's called us to use the wisdom and the power and the inside of the Holy Spirit as Especially when we're dealing with other people's lives. Especially then. It's so important. Surrender is the key that unlocks the vault of God's best and deepest treasures. See, as we learn to surrender, God begins to reveal himself in a greater depth. And do you know what this does? It releases us from our own ways and our own thoughts. And our own methods. And sometimes those things are good. Sometimes they are very destructive. Sometimes God says, I don't want you to go into a meeting like this. I don't want you to say these things to these people. I have something far better I want to express through you. But I have to lay down what's stirring away inside of me and get before the presence of God to be able to express that. And that's why Paul could say in 1 Corinthians 2, I've mentioned it before, there's not many wise among you. There's not many great people. There's not many great scholars or philosophers or or rich people or anything. But he's saying it's okay. You'll do greater exploits than all those people if you are plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit and accessing the wisdom of God. Isn't that great? Any one of us. Any one of us. The least of us is greater in the new, under the new covenant than John the Baptist under the old covenant. Good place to start, guys. Good place to start. But it's so important, this doesn't just happen. We have to cultivate it. We have to cultivate being intimate with Jesus. I have to remind myself first to be in a love relationship with him before I go out and do things for him. Because that's what he wants most. And it's so easy to get separated from that. So four points, because I'm finishing. I'm going to finish with a poem. It's not long. Four points. Number one, we need to simplify our lives. De-junk and declutter our lives so that our lives are not taking up all our time. Number two, be still and know that I am God. Even in the turmoil of life, we can find peace in the Holy Spirit. Number three, cultivate the discipline of solitude. If you're a people person and you get energized by people, that's great. That's the way God made you. But you also still have to discipline yourself to set time aside and get alone with Jesus. So important. Every one of us has to do that, whatever our design is. Fourth point, the discipline of surrender. We must learn how to surrender to the Holy Spirit so we say, not my way, but yours, Lord. I'm bringing this before you before I go out and activate it. We need to surrender to that. We need to become and cultivate being true worshipers. God is worthy of all the worship we can ever bring him. And to do this, many of us will re- need to reorder our private world and then and introduce such things as the four points we've talked about. And then once you've introduced them, guys, you've got to keep cultivating them because life will always try and rob them from you. It gives God the glory he deserves and can only enhance the life that we live. So I'm going to finish with a poem. It's by Katie Kaufman, and it says this. In the stillness where some crave noise I regain my strength, I regain my poise I can stand tall on your promises and word I can move forward because your voice I've heard So never let me get too busy not to be still Keep me humble, mould my will that I may follow you and serve you with all I am, that I may be useful to your plan. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for the still, clear voice of your Holy Spirit. We want to thank you that most of all you desire from us, Father, is to love on us and for us to love on you and to be intimate with you. What a privilege it is that you've granted us the ability to do that. Help us stay out of the busyness and the demands of life in a way that they rule us to the degree, Lord, that we never get to spend time with you. Help us simplify our lives so that that can happen. Help us beware of even the good things we are doing. If they separate us from walking, in a love-filled relationship with you. We need your help to do this, Father. And Lord, we thank you that you're prepared to meet us more than halfway as we apply ourselves to all these things. In Jesus' name. Amen.